The scripture I'm going to start with this morning is in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 15, God is laying out the laws for sacrifice in his tabernacle. And there are many, many laws about how to offer sacrifices to God. And essentially it all boils down to three different kinds of offerings and sacrifices. They had to tithe the first 10% off of all of their income for the year, which they didn't make money. They grew crops and had animals born on their farm. They were supposed to bring in the first 10% of that. And then there was thankfulness and worship and celebration offerings, and those were always grain, and they involved dancing and waving the grain before God just to say thank you. And then there were blood sacrifices for their sin. When they offered an animal, they had to pour its blood on the altar, and that was to atone for their sin. And there are lots of different stipulations and different reasons and different rules, but essentially it boils down to that, that they came to, to tithe, they came to say thanks, and they came to offer sacrifice for their sin. And in Deuteronomy 15, verses 19 to 21, abbreviated a little bit here on the screen, it says, all the firstborn males that come from your herd and your flock, you shall sanctify to the Lord your God. You shall do no work from the first, with the firstborn of your herd or shear the firstborn of your flock, you and your household shall eat it before the Lord your God year by year in the place which the Lord chooses. If there is any defect in it, if it is lame or blind or has any serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. So God says, when, when you come, you bring me the tithe of your flock. So a sheep or a goat, the first ones that were born belong to God. And they had to be offered as a sacrifice on the altar for the sins of the people. But if it's lame or blind, I want to highlight those two words this morning. If it's lame or blind or has any physical defect, you may not offer it. Because the whole point was that I am coming as an imperfect sinner to a perfect holy God to atone for my sin. And what I offer has to be perfect. I can't offer something imperfect because I am imperfect and I am trying to appease a perfect holy God. So God says, don't offer me your weak, your sickly, your bummer lamb with a bum leg. You offer your very best, you offer perfection. And then, of course, I hope you know that the New Testament says the blood of cows and goats is never going to take away sin. But John the Baptist told us that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world because he's the only perfect offering. We could never offer anything, and we can certainly never make up for our sin. So God found a perfect Lamb of sacrifice, which was his own son. Yes? So perfection has been offered. Perfect blood has been given to atone for our sin. But for right now, I just want to point out that in the law, God says if your baby goat or your baby sheep or your baby calf is lame or blind or has any serious defect, you cannot offer it. So the, the sacrifice had to be perfect. All right, and then in Leviticus, God says not only may your animal not perfect, you can't come if you aren't perfect. No man who has any defect may come near, and he means to my altar, my tabernacle. No man who is blind or lame, there's those two words again, 
No man who is blind or lame, disfigured or deformed, no man with a crippled foot or hand or who has hunchbacked or dwarfed or has an eye defect or who has oozing sores or damaged testicles. No priest who has any defect is to come near to present the offerings made to the Lord by fire. He has a defect. He must not go near the curtain or approach the altar and so desecrate my sanctuary. In the ancient world, the concept of holiness was that the tabernacle or the temple where they went to worship was absolutely perfect because God lived there and if it wasn't perfect God would leave that's the idea they had but this isn't just Moses's idea Moses isn't he's writing down Leviticus but he isn't authoring it this is God God says you cannot come in my presence you will desecrate my temple if you come and you have defect so for thousand years, 1,500 years, people who had physical deformities could never come and worship. They had to stand outside while everybody else went in. You know, it, the cases of leprosy are really famous. Like the lepers had to wear signs, they had to shout at other people, stay away, I'm unclean, because it was so contagious. But maybe some of you didn't know that God said more than just leprosy. If you have a physical disability, you can't come into my house. Then we come, the next scripture is from 2 Samuel 5. This is when King David has just become the new king of Israel. And the city that is now Jerusalem was named Jabus, and it was a castle, fortress type city. And the Jebusites are the people that live there. And David and his army come to take this city that is about to become Jerusalem, and he's going to make it his capital city, but it's the only Canaanite stronghold, the only Canaanite fortress that hasn't been conquered yet. It's been 200 years since Joshua, and all of the other land has been conquered except this stronghold. It is the strongest castle-type fort in the land, and the Canaanites have withheld all of the Israelites' attacks. But David's like, this is not right. God told us to have, that he's going to take, give us all this land, and I'm going to take the stronghold. Some of you may remember that a year or a year and a half ago, I preached on this sermon where, Josh, uh, where Joab goes up the water shaft and opens the gates from the inside, kind of pulls a Jason Bourne. Um, you can go listen to that online if you want. But the king, that's David, and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites and the inhabitants of the land and who spoke to David. So the people on the top of the fort wall... The Jebusites taunt David and they said, you shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you. There's those two words again. The blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. And the historians think that actually the Jebusites were so arrogant about their, the strength of their fort that they actually put blind and lame men who would never allowed to be soldiers, but they dressed them up as soldiers and put them around the top of the wall to mock their enemies. Like, our fort is so strong these are our guards. These are these guys who can't fight. And they're mocking David. They said, David can't come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. And it's in uh, Chronicles, if you want to read the, the story of Joab sneaking up the water shaft. That is the city of David. The lame and the blind are hated by David's soul. Therefore, they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. This stronghold of the Jebusites became what is known as the city of Zion. 
David made it his personal home. It's the hilltop where David built his palace and later Solomon built the temple. And David, because he was so incensed and so insulted by the Jebusites taunting and he was so uh, exuberant about his victory and taking this fort that he made it a rule that the blind and the lame could not come into the city of David. So God had said, you can't come near the altar. David said, you can't even come on the hilltop. David's thinking made sense in David's time. I know we're, we're living post-New Testament, and, and that seems really uh, insulting and mean and unchristian. And, but in David's time, it made perfect sense. He wasn't being mean on purpose. But I just want need you to know that David made it a rule. Not only can you not come near the altar, as the law says in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you can't even come to the temple complex. Now jumping forward another thousand years to Jesus and the day of the what we call Palm Sunday, the day of the triumphal entry where a hundred thousand people are cheering him on with palm branches and laying their clothes on the road and shouting and he goes into the city on the donkey and he goes straight to the temple of God and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Yea, Jesus. Yay, Jesus. I got a picture of the temple for you. This is the temple as it looked in Jesus' day. It's about 250 yards long this direction and about three to 400 yards this direction. And the outside wall is a covered porch. Of course, it's all built out of stone. And you can imagine if you know ancient world ruins, you've seen stuff from Greece and Rome. And none of this is left. Uh, in Jerusalem except the Wailing Wall, but inside this gigantic wall, porch, roofed area is an open courtyard called the Court of the Gentiles where anyone could go. Um, It's inside the general temple area, but anybody could go there, including non-Israelites. People could come and look at the temple, but in the center there is the temple. In front of the building is, is a courtyard where only Israelites could go. And the gate there that's it's marked number 11, if you can see it on the graph, is, is called the Gate Beautiful. That's mentioned in Acts, where the lame man is sitting, begging, as Peter and John go up to worship in the temple. Why is he sitting in that gate? Why is there a lame man sitting in the beautiful gate? Because he can't go in. He can't go in any further than that. That's the rule. Are you with me? So in that story, in Acts, Peter says, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk, and he, and, he, and he jumps up and runs and starts walking. But the reason he's sitting at that beautiful gate, which is right there at the front of the temple complex, um, is because he can't go in any further, because the rule is that they can't go. And then through the first courtyard and into the second courtyard is actually where the temple is, the temple building is. It's a, about 80 feet tall and it's not cube shaped but it's roughly 80 feet in every direction and inside is the holy place and the most holy place and and all of that so when jesus enters on 
the city this day. It's a week before he's crucified and resurrected. He enters the city on the donkey. It's almost Passover, and there are tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people here to celebrate Passover, and the messianic fervor is high, and everybody thinks Jesus is going to come and take the throne of David and kick out the Romans and Israel's going to be our own nation again. And instead of going to the palace and sitting on the throne, which is the next building over, not in this drawing, he goes to the temple and in the court of the Gentiles, the, the very large plaza out around the temple is where the, the people are selling these animals for sacrifice. So many people traveled such a long distance they didn't want to drive their goat all the way to Jerusalem as an offering, so they just took money and they bought one when they got there. That in and of itself is not wrong, but the, the money changers and the sellers of animals were ripping these people off, which is what Jesus made Jesus furious. And he makes a whip and he whips the people and the animals and overturns the money tables and in front of this very large crowd. And then the next sentence says, and then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. So Jesus does not do what people expect, ever, but in this case they expect him to go to the palace and sit on the throne and be crowned king. Instead he goes and cleans out his father's house and he heals the blind and the lame. But you see it says in the first sentence, Jesus went into the temple of God and then at the end it says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. Those are not the same word in Greek. There are two different words. There's only one letter difference, but the, it's a big difference. All of the historians and commentators understand that where the money changers and the animal sellers were was in the court of the Gentiles. That's where It's a public access area where anybody can be from all the nations that are coming to celebrate Passover. And so when it says in the temple, the first that Jesus drove them out of the temple, the word is the building, the, the complex, this whole area. He drove them out get out of the house. But when it says the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them, it's a different word. It means they came to him in the sacred place. So after he drove the animals and the money changers, the rip-off bankers and schemers out of the Gentile court, he went into the court where no one but holy people was allowed he went through the beautiful gate where the blind and the lame are not allowed to follow. But they did. And I see two scenarios. There's a lot of really, really jacked up people. I mean, they are pumped. They're, I mean, the day is exciting and there's a lot of people. And maybe Jesus just, after he drove the money changers out, they're all just watching like, whoa, this is amazing. And he goes through the beautiful gate into the holy the sacred courtyard where only worshipers are allowed and the law specifically says if you're blind or lame, you cannot come here. You will defile my temple. He goes through this gate and, the, and the, everybody in the crowd is like, well, let's go see what he does next. And in excitement and in passion and the fervor of the day, they just rush through the gate and don't think about what they're doing. I've been talking about the blind and the lame people. Or maybe, and probably both, Probably some of them are rushing up those stairs into that beautiful gate and they stop like, wait a minute, I'm not allowed in here. Everybody else gets to go. 
but I don't. I'm disqualified. I'm going anyway. <laughs> and they sneak in around the edge of the wall, hoping no one notices that they have a lamp <laughs> or that they're, somebody's guiding them in. I don't know. It's probably some of both. But I, it's just absolutely amazing that God said, you can't come in here. David said, you can't come in here. It had been a law for a thousand years and none of them had ever been in there. They weren't just physically handicapped. They were legally disqualified from the presence of God. But in extreme boldness, I'm going into the presence of God because I just have to be where Jesus is. And then Jesus doesn't disqualify the law. You know what? You're not supposed to be in here. But instead of kicking you out, I'm going to heal you so that you can be in the house. Yeah, y'all get it. The next screen is a quote from Matthew Henry. The blind and the lame were barred from David's palace, but were admitted into God's house. For the state and honor of his temple lie not in those things wherein the magnificence of princes' palaces is supposed to consist. From their blind and lame, from them, the blind and the lame must keep their distance. But from God's temple, only the wicked and the profane must keep their distance. The temple was profaned and abused when it was a marketplace. It was graced and honored when it was a hospital. Everyone who was there to worship at Passover would have thought the money changers and the animal sellers were part of the worship system. And this is the way it is. It's the way it should be. There's nothing wrong with this. It's just the way it is. This is what we have to have in order to worship God. And they also would have taken it absolutely for granted that anybody who had any physical defect or handicap or disability is not allowed in here because they had a karma mindset. That some, like the Pharisees asked Jesus about the other blind man. Was this man born blind because of his parents' sin or his own sin? They had a karma mindset. And if, if this person has this defect, it's because they're not holy, because they deserve it, because they're disqualified. And they just would have taken both of those for granted. And Jesus turned them both on their head. He said, what makes this house unclean is your greed. And what doesn't make this house unclean is his paralysis or his limp. But again, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't violate the law. He's like, you know what? We can't violate the law. So I'm going to fix your problem. <laughs> We're going to get rid of this blindness. We're going to get rid of this lameness. We're not just going to ignore the rules. We're going to fix the problem. So the blind and the lame, they, they needed real physical healing, and praise God for that. I'm not um, preaching past that. I mean, these people... I'm sure we're ecstatic to be physically healed. But more than that, this morning, I want to highlight the fact that these people, through no fault of their own, were rejects. They were outcasts. They were insulted. They were left behind for a thousand years plus. None of them had been able to come into the presence of God. They were disqualified 
from going into the temple. And they had to break the rules to get to Jesus. I said they had to break the rules to get to Jesus. Some of you don't quite get that yet. They had to break the rules to get to Jesus, to find, they had to be bold to find acceptance. And that is faith, to apprehend Jesus. I don't think any of them went in through that gate expecting to be healed. I think they just wanted to be with Jesus. Maybe some of them had in their head, I've heard about this guy, he's healed a lot of other people, I, I want to get there too, but I think just, it was just the fervor of the day and all of the people and the crowd and the excitement and the energy, they're just following Jesus wherever he goes, and when they get into the holy presence of God, they get healed. But they had to take that step of faith past the rejection and the insult that had limited their approach to God. Just in case you're wondering about yourself and God, let's go to Luke 14. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yokes of oxen and I, I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married. I can't come. So one guy says, hey, uh, sorry, dude, I just bought a new house. I'm not coming to your party. Another guy says, I just bought a new car. I'm going to go on a road trip. And the other guy says, I just got married. I, I'm not coming to your party. So the servant came back and reported this to his master. And the owner of the house became enraged and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. This master obviously is God in Jesus' parable that he's telling. God wants the lame and the blind in his house. He does not want them lame and blind. Come into his house and they find healing. God isn't breaking his own rule. I want you. We're going to fix the limitation so that you can come in my house. Hello? So, we have these centuries of rejection, of insult, of outcast, of being unincluded. Something disqualified them from going into the temple. And they had to break that rule to be bold to get to Jesus. Well, the truth is that every one of us is defective. We are all rejects. And we have no legal right to access the presence of God. We are not allowed in the house. To quote Brennan Manning, each one of us is a beggar at the door of God's mercy. But you are invited this morning to be bold to break the boundary of rejection and the shame that holds you back, whatever it is you think God doesn't want you in his presence for, break that boundary, get over that shame, and run into your Father's house. To Jesus, to receive healing for what should disqualify you from his presence. Your father wants you in his house. He wants you at his table. And Jesus Christ has the power and authority to heal and forgive 
and cleanse you from any defect so that you are as perfectly acceptable as Jesus is. Every person, every individual person here this morning is invited to God's house. You're invited to his table. You know, some of you, you know, I don't deserve that. I'm disqualified. I've been rejected by people. I've been lied about by people. I'm not sure people like me. And therefore, I'm not sure God likes me. God knows the deepest, dark secrets of my heart. He knows what I did those nights back in high school and college, and he knows what I've thought, and he knows what I've said, and he remembers. And every time I come into church, I, I just I feel shame, I feel embarrassed, I feel unworthy, I feel conscious of these memories over and over and again, and I try to raise my hands, or I try to smile, or I want to be free in my worship, but... I just can't get past it. Whether that was this week or 40 years ago, there's your limp. There's your, your handicap. Maybe no one told you God didn't love you. Maybe you've heard 200 times God loves you and God wants you and you like you, but in your deepest heart of hearts, you've never gone through the beautiful gate. Because you know you don't deserve to, you don't qualify to. Guess what? You're never going to qualify to. It's always going to be against the rules. Jesus broke all the rules. Literally, it was his body and it was broken. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the righteous and holy requirement. So that completely unworthy me, completely despicable me can come and I have memories of what I've said and done and other people have memories of what I've said and done and, and people have thoughts about that and feelings about that and, and they're looking like, what's he up there raising his hands for? What else am I going to do? Where else am I going to go? It's not hypocrisy, it's desperation. It's appreciation. You've got to blow through shame, folks. If you're not ashamed to come into the presence of God, or you haven't ever been, you don't know yourself very well. But if you aren't excited to get in the presence of God, you don't know Him very well. You're welcome. You're invited. He wants you to come through the beautiful gate. Don't sit there and watch other people go through to worship. Come into his presence yourself. Come in with your limp. Come in with your blindness. Come in with all of your defects. Because they came to Jesus in the sacred place and he healed them. Since you got up and came, went to the trouble of getting ready to come to church, don't stay in the outer court, no matter how disqualified you feel. Blow through the beautiful gate. Follow Jesus. No matter how disqualified you actually are, and you are, we're not ignoring the truth. We're not denying that it, that it didn't happen. But blow through that.
and boldly come to the throne of mercy to receive what you need. So let's do that. Can I have my prayer team come up? I don't know who's scheduled for this service, but we're just going to make ourselves available. I just invite you this morning to be bold. Some of you, you need forgiven for what you've done. You need to, go to, you need to come to Jesus and admit that what you did was terrible and ask forgiveness and be clean. But a lot of you, I think, have probably already done that. You just can't get over the shame and the embarrassment and the rejection of it. So maybe you don't need to come this morning to confess sin and get right with Jesus. Maybe you do. But if you don't, but there's still the, the memory or the feelings or wondering what other people are thinking and feeling, if that's holding you back from really following Jesus into the holy place, then we would love to just pray with you and encourage you, give you a hug or Kleenex or whatever you need this morning. You can do it where you're at if you want, but uh, we're here this morning to, to pray with you and encourage you and bless you this morning. And, and let's knock some of that shame off. Let's blow through the boundary and, and don't leave here with any questions. God has invited you into his house. He's invited you into his temple. No matter what the rules are, no matter what you think perfect Christianity is, there's none of that here. <laughs> there's none of that here. We don't want anybody that thinks they're a perfect Christian here anyway. <laughs> so if you need to, just come up. These couples are, will pray with you. If you need to just bow your head or get on your knees or whatever where you're at, just spend some time with Jesus.